Hello, hello, hello. This is Tooth Be Toe. This is Dr. Walter Aka. Ah, man. I, I, I know. Go ahead. Just introduce yourself and then we'll get started because I'm very excited about this uh, episode. Hey, no, I'm excited too. I love sharing from the heart. I love my colleagues. I love dispelling myths. And, you know, I'm a dentist now for over 25 years. I'm certified as a trainer, yoga instructor. I've read articles. I've written articles. And I want to sh share with dentists how not only they can get in good shape, but they can actually be the voice of wellness chair side, which makes us indispensable in the hearts and minds of our patients. So no better way to promote dentistry and oral health. Right. Well, so give us a quick summary of basically your quick bio, how you got into fitness, what got you going in that direction? You know, because I like I was telling you before off screen, you know, I saw you for the first time during a conference and I all I saw was somebody on stage running around you know, pulling people out of the crowd. And I was like, what is going on? And this is not normal to any, any anybody that's listening. This is not normal to any conference at all. You know, it's the speakers up there. We sit back and we listen. But for you, it was like, no, I want interaction. I want, I want, you know, uh, uh, you know, I want people to just evaluate and see and, and how do we do this and get excited. And so just give us a quick summary, man. Like, I'm, I'm very excited about this episode. Yeah, you know, life is movement. You know, rigor mortis is death. So a lot of speakers and thought leaders die on the platform because they're just like spouting mouths. If you're just a talking headpiece, people start checking their real estate listings. They start checking Bitcoin. I'm like, I want to be more important for Bitcoin in the next hour with you. And the only way I can do that is by showing movement, getting your head turning left and right, getting you up and sitting down and really joining in the conversation. People thinking, is he talking to me? Is he talking to me? I don't know. Is he talking to you? And that's the best way to keep people engaged. And when there's engagement, there's learning. And I think... I'm not sure if I learned that from my mom. My mom is Irish, so she gave me the gift of the gab. You know, <laughs> my dad is um, Nigerian or African, so okay. um, he gave me the thoughtful, soulful side. And you know, he always kept saying, you know, a sound mind and a sound body. He'd say, "You studied enough, Uchi. Get outside and play." You know, so I <laughs> love how many kids get told to go outside and play. But, right, you know, an African dad. He's telling you, be being movement is just as important as studying. And Andrew Huberman of the Huberman Lab now talks about you know only 45 minutes of intense or cognitive focus at a time, and then you gotta do something else to integrate it. So sound mind and a sound body, you know, if you have challenges uh, internalizing or getting, getting uh, a cognitive concept, maybe you're not moving enough. And most parents think, sit down at your desk all day. And now we know learning is interactive, it's, it's movement-based, it's experiential. And I love that transformational style. I'm certified as a trainer. I've written a couple of books. I've written tons of articles. I'm speaking all over the place. I love online learning because it's, you know, it can be anywhere at any time. But a big part of what I do, though, I'm still practicing dentistry. You know, two or three days a week, I'm chair side. I am getting to know people with their medical history. And I'm what I really know is, and I remember I've, I've been to some Panky programs, and LD Panky said, uh, a person doesn't leave their marriage, their job, their sleep habits in the car when they come in. And most dentists focus so much on the crown, focus so much on the gingiva, focus so much on the soft tissue management, they forget they're working on a shift worker. They forget they're working on an obese person, which is 42% of Americans. Hmm. They forget they're working on someone who hates their job, which is 70% of Americans either tolerate or hate their job. They forget they're working on a, a, a person who uh, is sedentary, which is 80% of people. And if you forget that, you will wonder why the implant's not integrating. Hmm. You'll forget why, you'll, you'll lose touch with the fact that most patients... You know, three and four month recare frequency is needed for obese people who don't sleep well because they're chronically inflamed. So until we start looking at lifestyle 
and not necessarily becoming a certified trainer. You don't have to have a six pack to start talking about this. We're simply saying, why not start living your own health journey? Share it with your patients so you can be like-minded. There's a kindred spirit part of you. And then take patients on a journey with you. I know how many dentists sit there, you know, they got a big belly, they smell like a drive-through and they're talking about holistic dentistry. Um, if you if you if your fingertips are yellow from smoking, if you if you smell like special sauce, I would say it might be you might better create some moderation with your nutrition and um, start walking the talk. And walking the talk is so attractive. You know, when you walk the talk, it's authentic. It is charismatic. Patients lean in like they've never done before, thinking I've never had this conversation with a healthcare provider. I love my dentist. I love my hygienist, and that's where I fit in. I want to be that person. For dentistry. So, you know, one thing people will always say, dentists will always have pushback, right? We talked about this. We're very type A. So if they say, hey, listen, I don't have the time for that. I have a practice to run. I'm trying to get to, to, to hang out with my family. I'm doing all this other stuff. What do you tell them? Like, what kind of advice would you give somebody who thinks they have absolutely no time to go for a 30 minute walk to, you know, move around like you do? I love that question. Yeah, you know, we, we all make fun and make fun of Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. But CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, all of them exercise. Every CEO of Fortune 500 company exercises. Um, dentists, not so much. So if dentist thinks I don't have time to exercise, think of the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. They all work out. You know, they have trainers. They eat healthy. Because it's no point in being a billionaire if you got to carry your body around in a wheelbarrow. That being said, you know, dentists, you cognitively, you can be stronger by exercising. There's a neurotransmitter called BDNF. BDNF uh, enables or supports good communication between all 85 billion neurons. And if your 85 billion neurons are firing well and those 100,000 synapses between each neuron are working well, guess what? You'll be more integrated cognitively, which means you'll make better treatment plans. You'll see all sides of an issue. You're better able to get a patient engaged with a case presentation or a, a, a treatment plan. So... Exercise is not just about just looking good at your 20th college union. It's about being cognitively aware, energetically present, to be as powerfully present at your six o'clock patient treatment in the evening as you are at your nine o'clock. So being fit means you can earn more, be more productive, more cognitively aware. There's really no aspect of a dentist's life that they could not benefit from being physically active. And that's my answer to you when, patient, when doctors say, ah, I don't have time for it. If you don't make time for exercise, you better make time for sickness. Mm. If you don't make time for exercise, every dentist better make time for sickness. So that's that could be a just a powerful point, and it makes it a no brainer. How do you argue with that? You know. Okay, so if, so we're not going to argue about you know getting up and moving around. We're not going to argue. I, I promise okay. you. But what about what about diet? Okay, hey, I, listen. The only thing I can honestly do is I can go to that McDonald's next door to me, that Chick-fil-A next door to me and grab something really quick, that Starbucks and grab something really quick because I have to get back to my patients. I don't have time to sit there and, and eat all this and prepare meals and so forth. But let's talk about diet and how mm -hmm. important that is into, into in making dentists, hygienists, assistants more productive, better, healthier, so forth. Okay. Um, well, not only for yourself, chair aside, you know, Hippocrates 2,300 years ago said all disease begins in the gut. Here's a person before the, before the microscope, before probiotics, before the study of gastroenterology, uh, before the study of formalized medicine said all disease in the human body begins on the inside, begins in the digestive tract. So that, how, do you, how can you argue with Hippocrates? Every physician takes the Hippocratic oath. 
So dentists, listen, you know, we always want to think of ourselves as a doctor. Most most dentists don't use the term doctor unless they're booking a restaurant reservation or trying to get an upgrade <laughs> on the plane. But I'm saying think of yourself like an oral physician, a physician in the mouth. Think of the fact that Hippocrates said all disease begins in the gut. Where does food enter the body? Through the mouth. No. We, we're in charge of the gateway, you know. So technically, when the first physician says all disease begins in the mouth, he's basically empowering dentists and dentistry to say how if it begins... In the, if it begins in the mouth, in the body, mm-hmm. it enters through the mouth. Mm-hmm. The only way to have good digestion, good absorption, is to have good functioning TMJ, to have good saliva, to have a fully all four art all all four all arches of mouth fully restored. So there's no edentulous spaces. You want nice envelope of function. You want no bruxism. You want restful sleep at night. Now this is our sweet spot. You know every hygienist saying, hey. I can get involved in strengthening the periodontia. Uh, prosthodontists, I can get involved in restoring all the arches. Dentists who place implants say, hey, I can get rid of those edentulous spaces. So now dentists, hygienists, hear me out. If you want patients to have the seat of their well-being to be held right, we're the gatekeeper. We're in charge. No other healthcare provider is in charge of the gateway except us, you know, the 270,000 dentists in America, the 300,000 hygienists, you know, half a million people Americans hold or cradling their patients' health in their hands. And when you go to work thinking of us cradling, that's a different level of self-esteem there. So, oh, it's just a cleaning. Oh, oh I'm, I'm just a dentist. Oh, I'm just a general practitioner. What do you mean? I, I have the country's well-being in the palm of my hand every day. Mm-hmm. And I serve them without having overall wellness. Because the first doctor said all disease begins in the, in, in the gut. Well, we're in charge of the gateway, the entrance to the gut. You know, that's it's about a five minute long elevator speech. But Matt, you, you explain that to patients as a new patient exam. They're thinking all eyes on deck. I've never heard of this before. I am ready for this office. And that's where you can start building uh, a wellness based practice. And I'm not just talking about amalgam to porcelain onlays. I'm talking about integrating head to toe patient health, total patient health. In order to do that, we ourselves need to walk the talk. So the communication is authentic. It's coming from a body that's living it. You know, you are going to bed and getting seven hours. If you have a snoring problem, you are on your CPAP or your appliance. You know, you do, your, your BMI is under 25. You know, you are moving regularly on a regular basis. If you're doing endo, you don't like endo, refer out the endo, you know, get, get, don't be so stressed out. If you've never found the MB2 canal, you refer that damn endo out. And you, you start doing treatment you enjoy. So you lower the cortisol and have more aspects of your left and right brain integrating well through the corpus callosum. Listen to this. I'm telling you. Okay, so so let's talk about nutrition. A lot of people don't understand nutrition really well, right? They just kind of say this is a new fad or, you know, the you know paleo diet. They have this diet. They have that diet. How do we get dentists to simplify and understand nutrition? How do we get our patients, everybody that's listening to understand nutrition and what we need to really look for when it comes to nutrition? Yeah, that's a great question. And basically, if you think of medical practice, dental practice, nutrition is a practice. In the 80s, they say eggs were bad. In the the 90s, they said fat was bad. Now they're saying fat is good. Oh, no, no, trans fat is bad. Saturated fat is good. And then you get Dr. Greger, how not to die, saying saturated fat is bad. Then you get people saying, um, the, the carnivore guy, saying, oh, no, you eat kidney and liver. Then you realize, oh, he was on performance enhancing appliances. And then someone says, there's a cotton ball diet. How about the air diet? Oh, my uncle lost weight 
um, uh, meditating. Right. Oh, my aunt lost weight by, by doing gastric bypass. Right. So we're confused, right? Right. And ve general. veganism can cure cancer. And, you know, I've, <laughs> there's a well, lot. There's a lot. And Instagram doesn't help the situation. So, so give us what you look for. Again, from a dental point of view, what you look for to basically maintain this, this health that you, ha you have through nutrition. Well, oh, fundamentals. You know, yes. there's no new fundamentals. There's no new principles. So um, whole food is better than supplements. Mm -hmm. Supplements are an add-on. Mm -hmm. if, if, if there's a deficiency, you can take magnesium if you, don't, if you can't eat nuts and you don't eat vegetables. That magnesium can be there for you. In the wintertime, there's no way to get vitamin D except through fish oil. And the best fish oil source is cod liver oil and Norwegian, it's, it's a country, and Norwegian cod liver oil is the best. They said that 80% of us are low in vitamin D. People of color, I've, I've heard one doctor in Toronto said he's never met a, a person of color who has good vitamin D in the wintertime because if you have lots of melanin in your body, we, we protect ourselves from the sun. So we need more vitamin D. But in this whole politically correct world, you can't say, 800 international units for an adult. Oh, if you're brown, you need 1,200. So basically all brown people are low in vitamin D. Obese people also are very high low in vitamin D because vitamin D is a, so a fat-soluble vitamin. Mm -hmm. People who wear a hijab, people who are covered are even low in vitamin D in the summer, but there is no offshoot or discussion about who needs more vitamin D or supplementation in the summer if you wear a hijab or face covering or a value or if you work inside, you know? So that being said, um, I find nutritional recommendations come and go all the time. I really do believe, though, that principles are vegetables are good for you. That'll never go out of style. You know, a balanced approach is best. Anytime you restrict whole food groups, anytime you say no grain, no dairy, how many how many average Americans, how many average Canadians can afford um, grass fed antibiotic free meat? You know, oh, oh, hormone free, hormone free. I read somewhere the other day that half of Americans earn $15 an hour or less an hour, $15 an hour or less. So they're not going to be able to afford hormone-free grass-fed. It's only the dentists who still complain about not having enough money. So you're not going to find much sympathy. Here's dentists in the top 3% of earning in the world, in, in America, probably the top 0.05 in the world, complaining about it's, eco it's an economically challenged time. You're not going to get any patient, you know, listening to your violin being played. Oh, my God. Right, so, right. so that being said, you know, fundamentals. So vegetables are good. A balanced approach. Looking at food very holistically. You know, look at it, food. So there's two functions of food, either function or hedonism, mm. purposeful or pleasure. Now, I don't deny the pleasure part of it. You know, during the holiday time, people have a lot of specific holiday foods and treats they eat for their own spiritual practices. Guess what? You're going to say, oh, no, turkey, I, I cannot have the skin in it. It's, it's going to kill me, mom. Or um, I can't have that bread. I'm gluten free, you know, or fasting. I, I got to have protein throughout the night, dad. I'm building muscle. I'm a bodybuilder. So, so many of these uh, practices get uh, circumvented when you can't balance the social aspect of food and functional aspect of food. So I love food, but I eat healthy. But because I was I grew up with very plain eating. You know, I remember my mom used to put a. a ever, I'm not sure if you ever ate cow's tongue before. Ever eaten cow's tongue? I, I have not. I have not. Oh my god, my mom served the cow's tongue. We we grew up in an economically challenged family. Okay, we're right, economically right. challenged. My mom would literally take the cow's tongue and stick it on everyone's plate. So I had this 10 inch cow's tongue. We had these 10 inch cow's tongues on all these plates. And that, you have that once a week, you still start realizing food is not for pleasure. You know, so <laughs> We'd hit each other with the cow's tongue. We'd slap it around at each other. Um, so that being said, I, I've learned to think of food for function, but you start looking at food. And I say one of the ideal questions to ask, what it does, 
it brings it a more mindful approach. If I'm out in a dinner, if I'm at a buffet, if I'm out with a loved one, if I'm on a first date, if it's my, if I've swiped left, I'm not sure you swipe left to write on Tinder, but if you swipe left or whatever, right, whatever it is, you're right. On this first date, um, uh, how do I want to appear in front of this person? What's the best way I'm going to be served tonight? If I want energy tonight, do I eat a big plate of pasta? Mm. Do I balance it out with vegetables? You know. So that being said, um, if you ask yourself the question before you eat or order, is this meal going to serve me or sabotage me? Mm. Does my meal serve me or sabotage me? So do I want the the you know the French fries and poutine? If you're in Canada, poutine is like a cheesy gravy on top of it. Okay. Does the poutine serve me as challenge or, or sabotage me? Well, guess what? It only sabotages you if you're a desk jockey and you're sedentary. If you're Lance Armstrong, seven thousand calories a day. If you're Michael Phelps, ten thousand calories a day in the pool, eight hours a day. You can eat anything you want. Right. So for physically active people, they literally caloric wise can eat almost anything they want. It's only sedentary people that really got to watch their carb intake. And that's where dentists start getting confused. You know, carbs are bad. Uh, not really. If you're an active dad, you know, you got twins, you have a seven-year-old, you have a five-year-old, you have a Rottweiler, you have four liter, you have four acres of, of uh, property. Guess what? You need carbs. You, you, can, you, cannot stay, you cannot go too long eating, uh, you know, cheese, bacon, and hamburger. So, there's, there's, so one diet will not serve everyone. But that being said, I like the principle. So vegetables are good. A balanced approach is, is maintainable and simple. All or nothing doesn't work. You know, if I go out with a family member or a friend, I got to be considerate of their needs. You know, you go to a dinner, you say, oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm only eating meat at this dinner. Right away, people look at you in isolation. They make mm -hmm. judgments about you. Oh, he's different than me. And we're very tribal these days. Oh, he's paleo. Oh, he's keto. Oh, he's vegan. Oh, who are the vegans in the room? All of a sudden, mm -hmm. he goes, uh, I'm a vegan. You know, so I, you, you eat last, you know. So right, right. Um, eating is social. And I really said, if you want, you make a healthy diet, sustainable, maintainable. You got to think of it in the broader spectrum of things. You know, you, you can really alienate someone by asking, who doesn't want this? It took me eight hours to make it. Which one of you doesn't want it? Who's the vegan here? You know, who, who's the key? Who's who's only eating kidney and liver today? You know, right, right. So, right, um, right. yeah. So that all or nothing, I don't, I don't think works that well. It, it's not sustainable. Okay. Well, so based on that, right? Based on nutrition, based on the just kind of balancing out your meal, there's got to there's a difference when it comes to male versus female men versus women, right? And wh what do you teach, you know, in your lectures that is associated with the difference and how we can use a difference to, you know, help ourselves out? You know, like, like example, women with hormones and, and, and males with, you know, belly fats and so forth and women with belly fats and stuff like that. How do we balance it out so that we are getting the most out of our bodies? Well, great question, you know, but unless you have a specific uh, a metabolic disease or a documented condition, Mm -hmm. uh, the same foods that are good for men are also good for women. Right. And you'd be surprised how much we make it so compartmentalized. Oh, my teenager, my 80-year-old dad. You know, protein is even more important for the 65-year-old plus because mm -hmm. as you get older, you, you're, you, don't, you need a positive nitrogen balance. So we actually need protein every four hours. So mm -hmm. the older you get, the more protein you need. It's not just for the teenager. Men and women, I often get a, a, a middle-aged lady talking about, oh, menopause and hot flashes and my, my broadening waistline. Well, I'll say that broadening waistline tells me there's going to be inflammation. And the higher levels of C-reactive protein, the higher levels of interleukin-6, the more chance you cannot get away with a hygiene appointment every six to nine months. The bigger your belly, the more visceral fat you have, 
We got to see you every three or four months. Hmm. Oh, why is that? Because this is where the momentum is. This is where the body stores cortisol. If you're an apple shape, you have more interleukin-6, which is which is a pro-inflammatory cytokine. So in, in terms of making it different, I think um, the fact that a lot of experts online argue with each other, we start bringing male, female in, it, it gets even more argumentative. Right. The whole idea being is though, I do know though, and they've shown. So Jeffrey Morris, he's a medical doctor back in the 50s. He did a, he did a study with 35,000 London bus drivers seat, sitting and standing. And he found out that if you sit all day, you're twice as likely to have a heart attack in the next five years, twice as likely if you're sitting all day. That goes up double for women. Mm. So it's even worse for women to sit all day than men. It's even worse for women to sit all day than men. So, and not, not being sexist, but but who does work at the reception? Who works at work at administration and dentistry? Mostly women. And you, you see sitting on desks, you know, going over to the fax machine, going over with the chair, coming back to answer <laughs> the phone. I took it over there. That's Get it. up off the chair for crying right, out loud. You know? right, so right. rigor mortis is going to set in. Right. So um, again, I, I don't lecture. I, I don't you know, browbeat uh, my team members. No, for sure. But also me, women are, are, are heavily uh, punished for sitting all day twice as much as men. So uh, that being said, that's, that's one of the biggest difference in terms of physical activity. And you'd be surprised how little physical activity the average American, the average Canadian does. Mm. So that being said... Um, I don't want to make it too complicated because anytime most dentists overthink, right? We've got that paralysis by analysis. So mm -hmm. keeping it simple means um, staying hydrated. Keeping it simple means doing some physical activity every day. An easy one is just park further away from the dental office. You'd be surprised how parking further away will give you another 1500 steps. The average American, the average American only walks a third of a mile a day, a third of a mile. The average American walks about 1750 steps a day. We spend more time as cave cavewomen, cavewomen, walking 15 to 20 miles a day. Right. So when you think of um, Homo habilis and Homo ostrapithecus and Homo sapien and the Homo andrethral, um, 15 to 20 miles a day. Hmm. So for the last 2 million years of, of uh, caveman, cavewoman history, we walk 15, 20 miles a day. The last 50 years, we're walking 1,700 steps a day. Hmm. And we're wondering why we have a heart attack every 30 seconds. We're wondering why we have autoimmune, 50 million of us suffer from autoimmune disease. And again, 80% of sufferers of autoimmune disease are women. So when you think of, you know, half of new grads in dentistry are women, you know, most of hygienists are women. You got to think about autoimmune disease. You know, there's 50 autoimmune diseases and 80% of the sufferers are women. Mm. So you start talking about, you know, your immune system is stronger when you're physically active. It's even more important to be physically active, to have a strong immune system if you're busy, female dental healthcare provider. Hmm. You know, um, speaking of that, dentist and stress kind of go in, coincide, right? A lot of people give the stats of, oh, dentistry has the highest suicide rate and so forth. And and sometimes it's mis, you know, mislabeled and so forth. But stress is definitely a real situation. And we all know that stress can lead to a lot of cardiovascular issues, can lead to a lot of systemic issues. So talk about stress when in, it comes to dentists when it comes to normal people, anybody, and then when it comes to how do we reduce that and what do we need to know about stress in order to, you know, basically avoid it? Yeah, great question. You know, again, we talk about the suicide rate in dentistry and I think part of that is 
uh, the intense our day is. And, you know, um, I just went to a bank today and I saw the teller trying to convert something for me. And I saw people standing in line, tapping their fingers. And so there's stress in every job, air traffic controllers, pilots, flight attendants, teachers, prison wardens, mixed martial artists, Conor McGregor, he talks about stress. So, so stress is part of every field. If you want to be, be top 10% in your field, stress is part of that. But I heard Andrew Huberman actually say today that stress only becomes important if you're not sleeping enough. Mm. The minute you're sleeping seven to nine hours a night, you, your body, your brain starts processing stress better. Because during rapid eye movement sleep, during that 100 minutes a night, which most of us, as a human, you need 100 minutes a night, our body processes emotion and memory. So if you're sleeping less than seven hours, and only people can get by less than seven hours if you have a gene variant called BHLHE41. But so 99.99% of us need a minimum seven hours a night. And that's not just time in bed. Most people say, went to bed at midnight, get up at seven. If you get up three times a night and it takes you 30 minutes to get to sleep, you're not getting seven hours sleep. But if you're sleeping good, solid seven hours, no snoring, no apnea, no episodic hypoxia, what happens is your body's able, your brain's able to process memory and emotion. So now instead of dragging the sadness and worries of each day into the next day, your brain has a new open shopping cart, a new cachet. Think of having your cell phone with one, uh, the new iPhone 15 comes with one terabyte of, of, of memory if you want it. I got 512, I didn't want to go for the terabyte. <laughs> That's so much memory. That's so right. much memory. So right. if you sleep well, your emotional ability to handle challenges is one terabyte. You have a huge resource. You have lots of bandwidth. Oh, Dr. Yatu, your first patient canceled. That's okay. I got time now to phone some patients back. Hey, Dr. Yatu, you wanted on line one and line two. And by the way, I'd like $10 an hour raise. We'll talk about it after. Put line one on hold. Put line two on speaker. I'm going to call you. So you have more bandwidth if you sleep well, because the, the, the brain loves to process emotion and memory. So if you process emotion and memory well, you can handle the highs and lows of a cortisol dominant day from a patient not being anesthetized. Patient doesn't have post-dated checks. Patient doesn't have a credit card. Um, the veneers won't fit. The lab's not back. You can handle that better if you're processing emotion because you're not carrying the, the dirt of yesterday's emotions into today. So if you sleep seven hours, good seven hours, you get that 100 minutes of sleep, your, your emotional bandwidth is greater. You have more emotional intelligence to handle your day. And you're not, you know, fighting like Conor McGregor, you know, having his ankle broken and, you know, against the ropes of Dustin Poirier, against that fence, if you're sleeping well. So sleep allows you to handle more cortisol perturbations in a day. Uh, so that's that's where, even though stress is still part of dentistry, and I think as, as most dentists, when during a staff meeting, we spend so much time on the problems, very little time on the solution. Right. If stress is part of the day, we cannot deny dentistry is not stressful. Well, what are some solutions, Okay. As a dentist, delegate more, you know, start, stop choosing the magazines for the reception, you know, stop choosing the curtains in the, in the washroom, <laughs> give that to your team, you know, hire an associate. Why do you got to be the hero of every story? You know, the patient's talking and you're telling about your day, your, 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 your horse riding lessons. Let the assistant be the star of the show. Let the patient be the star, become better at listening. You know, they talk about the better the listener, the more people hold you in higher regard. And now you lower your stress, not by having to be the CEO or right? the center of attention. Hmm. Um, no, the COA, COA I call it. COA, center of attention. Yeah, I was gonna... <laughs> so, yeah. So manage stress better mm -hmm. by delegating, by sleeping more. And now you can handle it. Stress can't be, be denied, but you can definitely handle more if you're sleeping deeper. 
Okay. So, you know, you mentioned something earlier on, you talked about yoga, meditation and so forth. Uh, and with that being said, I feel like, you know, so I started doing yoga. One, it's probably harder than weightlifting, harder than a lot of stuff that I've done in the past. Yoga is intense and it's very difficult. You know, it's a very level, it's it's very, you know, uh, cerebral. And, yes. and a lot of people don't, they don't feel comfortable in that cerebral time. They don't feel comfortable in just being within themselves, right? And so can you explain to us how yoga might benefit people when it comes to that level of stress? We talked about sleep. Now let's talk about other activities that you might be able to do to reduce that cortisol level, to reduce that stress level. Yeah, I love that. Great question. Um, yoga's got a lot of uh, mixed connotations for people. It's got images of spirituality and it's got some religiosity involved. So um, again, depending where you are, you know, if you talk about, you know, yoga in the Bible belt, you might get people not wanting you to talk about yoga. So I'll talk about Pilates. Okay. Um, but again, yoga, and even if you're doing yoga purely, it's all about the breath. You know, as a, I'm, I'm certified as a yoga toucher, but you start talking about Chaturanga and Shravasana, it gets people thinking is, am I in a language class or am I resting? So yeah. get away from the language part, get away from naming the asanas. People lower their defenses. And just think, sit back on your mat with your hands up on your back. Close your eyes and surrender. This position is for surrendering. Very hard for the overachieving type A dentist, the, the periodontist, the endodontist, the hygienist, the, 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 the female dentist owns seven practices, twins on the way. How do I relax? I have I got my pages going. I hear it in the, in the locker room. That's it. That's it. Well, that's why surrendering is, is one of the most powerful things you can do. And there's a really, really good, good book called The Course of Miracles. There's another good book by Louise Hay called You Can Heal Your Life. Uh, there's lots of good books written by Wayne Dyer, PhD, called Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. And if you literally change the way you look at things, life changes for you. And it's that subtle shift in changing how you see surrendering. Surrendering is sometimes not a sign of weakness. It's surrendering to the present moment. Because if you fight the present moment, you think about it. If you and I don't like, if I didn't like the lighting right now, it means the, the whole of human history, the last 2 million years, the whole of universal history, 13.8 billion years, has formulated this current present moment. So if I'm hating what's going on right now, I'm hating 13.8 billion years mm. that's taken to make this point in time. So surrendering is saying, I have to surrender the present moment. And now uh, Deepak Chopra talks about this. He's an author of 90 books. He's a psychoneuroimmunologist. He said, you talk about surrendering, you open up the void which is the infinite field where is lies the womb of creation. And I remember hearing talk, Conor McGregor talking about the fact that the minute you start talking about I am, the minute you start stop fighting what is, what happens is you open up this womb of creation and all kinds of good things happen. And I know we're getting a little metaphysical for the average dentist, the no, light no. flags, nuts and bolts, but you open up that infinite field of the present moment. And that's basically the, the, the time between breaths and if you don't think breath is that important, I, I remember hearing one time this, this, this trainer talking to a, a bunch of personal trainers. He said, anything you do a lot during the day is going to impact your posture. Do you agree? Everyone put their hand. He goes, do you think there's anything you do 20,000 times a day? And everyone went, I don't know. People said they swallow 800 times a day. Well, no, you breathe 12 times a minute. 12 times a minute times 24 hours is 20,000 times a day. So the way we breathe is the biggest, one of the biggest determinants of how how fit and how, how much vitality we have. So, but it's the time between breaths. When you breathe in, that time in between is the womb of creation. That's the next thought. 
That's called metacognition. That's the ability to start choosing my next thought or spending more time on a thought. And therein lies people's ability to attract what they want, to attract good things, to attract a good team, to attract good patient outcomes, to look at things differently. And that's what yoga or just being mindful hours. Um, you can you can do yoga while doing dishes. You know, people saying, ah, oh, my dishwasher's broken. Well, you know, I have a dish, I, I have a cloth, I have a hand. I'm able to hear the water on the dish and scrub it. I remember I heard Robert Greene, he's the author of the 48 Laws of Power. Yes. He had a stroke five years ago. And he said that, uh, you got the book up there? I got Master. all of them. I got his whole entire collection. <laughs> Good guy. I, I heard him last night talk about the fact that for five years ago, he had a stroke. Mm. And now he still can't ride a bike. He can't walk his dog. He's, he's not very physically coordinated. Okay. And he said he can't believe how he wasn't mindful, enjoying everyday movement before. Mm. He sees someone walking a dog and goes, they're so lucky to be walking the dog. Mm. Everyone takes doing simple things for granted. Mm. So as I wash my plate tonight or look at it clean, I can look at my wine glass to the light. I got two eyes. Like to be blind is horrific. You know, Andrew Bocelli's got blind. You know, I look up, see if the glass is clean. My fingertips work. You know, many people have um, uh, uh, wrist injuries and frozen shoulder and numb fingertips. As I put it up in my cabinet, which I can reach because my 33 vertebrae of my spine work, you can really bring a mindfulness to movement. And when, as you bring mindfulness to movement, you cannot help be grateful or in awe of this crazy body, these 600 muscles, this 206 bones. And the more you're in awe of something, just like when you when you treat your spouse reverently, she treats you reverently. Mm. When you treat your best friend with reverence, they treat you with equal reverence. So I treat my body, I feel blessed, I put the wine back, I turn off the water and hear the sound of the last few drops going, and now I'm gonna walk away. So being more mindful is what any exercise can be, whether it's lifting weights or yoga or simply stretching, but there's definitely three parts of exercise, which I want all dentists and hygienists to know about. Mm -hmm. Strength training, cardio, and flexibility. So yoga is flexibility. Cardio does the heart. Muscle building is for the muscle. But uh, treating the body with reverence is one of the best ways to start treating. You know, when you, you, you obviously you've got new cars in your life. When you got that new car, the first seven days, you parked it a mile away from everyone else. <laughs> you, you didn't slam the door. You shut it with respect. Right. No one ate in your car. Right. You can open up a wrapper. Even if you're starving, you're looking at your burrito going, I'm going to take you and you get home. Right. That's it. And right. <laughs> everything's adjusted. You take a Q-tip every Friday morning and clean out. Clean it. Parts. That's it. So the, the more we treat our bodies with that mm -hmm. amount of reference, the more it'll give us back equal energy, you know, because where your where your attention goes, energy flows. The more the more reverence you have for your your assistant, the better she'll perform or he will perform. The more reverence you have for your office manager, the more reverence you have for your children, the more reverence you have for my shoulder. And if I treat my shoulder reverently, I'm gonna warm it up before I do bench press. If I treat my back reverently, I'm gonna stretch for two minutes before my sprints. Mm. You know, I'm gonna if I want to treat my body reverently. I'm not going to race into yoga, throw my mat down, have my phone on so I can do selfies in my downward dog. <laughs> I'm going to leave my phone in the locker room, yeah. you know, and I'm going to have a, a mindful hour honoring the stillness in my mind. Now we're looking at the body like respectful. You know, think of the first day when you got your itero. It was you treated it with so much respect. No one come near the itero. Right. Right? So <laughs> you treat your body better than you do your itero, right. better than your digital panel lips, better right. than your, your CIRAC machine. 
you know, and then the body will start performing like a, like a, a Bugatti, you know, mm. a $3 million car. Cause it's hard to, your lungs, if you had to, I needed a lung transplant, a million dollars, hip replacement, $55,000, mm. your eyesight, irreplaceable kidney, $90,000 for a kidney um, transplant. So when you start thinking I am worth more than a Bugatti, I need the best premium fuel, premium food. I'm not going to get cheap supplements. I'm going to get the best magnesium. I'm going to I'm going to go to the best gym. I'm not going to the, the budget gym. I'm going to the best gym. I'm going to get a trainer until I learn how to do this properly. Mm. Now we're talking. I may get a, a massage therapist in it during the next huddle and have a um, those chair type massage because I got my I got to treat my my team well. I'm going to have chair massages before after the next huddle is over or the next mm. team meeting. I'm not going to have the cheapest food in the staff room. I'm going to give my team the best apples and little plain yogurt and maybe a, a Tupperware thing of nuts. I'm not going to complain about having the expense of feeding my team. There's a dentist I know in Delray, Florida, uh, Dr. Craig, and, he, and he, 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 he provides his team, 52 people, lunch every day. Mm. Every day he buys lunch. He treats them with respect. And guess wow. how they feel to, to be that working there? Great. Gratitude. Love him. You feed a team, they give you a lifetime of care. And if you treat your team well, they treat the patients well. Okay, sure, it might cost him $1,000 a week, $50,000 a cost of lunch. Mm. He gets, I'm sure, hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of more dotting your I's, crossing your T's. So Great. anytime mm. we treat our team reverently, our body reverently, it, it works better and longer without breakdowns. And without Are you breakdowns. talking about uh, Spodak? Yeah, Spodak. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No Spodak. I know Spodak. I one of my one of my closest friends actually works in his office, so he speaks highly of Spodak. Yeah, bulletproof. I, actually, I'll be bulletproof. There. I'll be I'll be emceeing their convention. They have a convention going on in Scottsdale in June. Oh, nice! Um, a a, a three day extravaganza, pumping up the whole team. I, uh, he goes, Ooch, we need your energy. You're going to emcee that thing. You can do breakouts. You're going to yeah integrate the session. So hey, I'll, oh, I'll be man. the Kevin Hart of dentistry. There <laughs> Man, I might need to, I might need to connect with him. I'm actually going to see him uh, in January, early January, for my buddy's uh, wedding. So he's going to be there. So I might need oh, to wow. tell him, hey, I might need to come to uh, Scottsdale. Yeah. No, he's he's he has. People talk about the cost of the program, and then he, he has one dental office. I think forty of them are coming. Forty of them are coming to Scottsdale. That's awesome. Because there's no point having just the dentist there or the office manager. Right. Like right. you bring a spouse, you bring your team. And now everyone learns together. And everyone it. goes back together with the same languaging. And now your 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 production goes up four, five, six hundred thousand dollars. Uh personal patient complaints go away, you know. So so I love that all team learning, you know. Long of the day, you could just go to a coist on your own and come back and wonder why you can't do coist stuff. Well, <laughs> You got to bring your associate to Coist. You got to bring your spouse to Coist. You got to bring your 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 partners to Coist. It can't be just you learning the treasure. You got to share this treasure. And I think it's by when I share what I know in podcasts and in person, this information goes deeper into my own brain, goes deeper into my own heart. You know, my eight year old son gets this. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, we. It's amazing how you can really. The more you share, the deeper it goes into your brain. That's it. And people say, "Ooch, how do you remember all this stuff?" I share all the time. My retention is powerful because I share so much. So what advice or what kind of exercises could you give a dentist when they're in their office and maybe they're in their, their, their office uh, and they're waiting for a patient to come, you have five, 10 minutes. What kind of exercises would you give to the dentist to do to just kind of stay active? Okay. okay. It, it all depends. And, I, and I've, I, it, there's three exercises, which I get, which it easily do. 
I love a chin-up bar. A chin-up pull-up bar, you throw it up, make sure you screw it on so no one's going to fall right. off, right? Always got to be aware of litigation in the United States. So, <laughs> so you throw up a chin-up bar. Even just hanging, you hang from a chin-up bar. Because uh, Peter Atia, he wrote uh, Outlive, said grip strength is directly correlated to lifespan. Mm. If you have a really weak handshake, or if you shake a person's hand and they're 45 and it feels limp, you're thinking, no post-dated checks for you. You're paying in full today, okay? Because <laughs> a weak handshake means you're not going to be around that long. So handshake is directly correlated with lifespan. So if you can't do a chin-up or pull-up, just hang there. Grip strength is a powerful indicator of how long you live. So you hang there. That's grip. It's back. It's bicep. Now you can either, with weights or not, you can do ex- walking lunges. I have a kettlebell, right, at home and in the office. C- carry a kettlebell with you. Carry a kettlebell. You walk down the full length of your corridor. Come back. You're out of breath. So now I've done biceps and back, l- lunges with a weight or without weight, makes you breathe deep. You've done flexibility training. Now you go on your floor. You can do a, a modified push-ups or modified uh, modified push-ups on the knee or toe. You can do 5, 10, 15, 20, 30. That's three exercises. I'll often repeat that triad mm-hmm. two, three, four times, or even just once. If I'm feeling tired, it's two o'clock, you know, right away, the, they say the body cools in the afternoons. You get a little tired. You do walking lunges. And you you carry, you know, carry your fee guide if it's still <laughs> carry your fee guide going down the hallway exactly with walking lunges. You come back, you're awake again. You know, movement is life. Right. You know, because it's four o'clock and you know I don't have a coffee now. I'm be up all night. Well, get something a little bit heavier. You know, you're, maybe your accounts are receivable if you're not very good at collecting money. You know, <laughs> carry your accounts receivable and do some walking lunges from side to side down the hallway and back. And now you're awake. So I love those three exercises. So come chat some kind of chin-ups mm-hmm. or, or gri- gripping the chin-up bar, um, walking lunges with weights or without, and then push-ups. And then you re- repeat, you can do one, just one series, or you can repeat that three or four times. And that's a great total body workout. You've done all 600 muscles, there's no equi- very little equipment needed. And you get, you feel youthful. I, I give you an example of how this works. We had a 19 year old come in, 19 years old, right? Second year in university. And he said, doctor, my, my dad comes here. And he said, I, you know, you make dentistry look fun. He goes, uh, maybe I could maybe shatter you. I said, okay. I said, um, you know, I try and be a little different, right? A little bit of a contrarian. I said, you want to jump up on the chin-up bar? He goes, what's that? I said, what is, how many chin-ups can you? He goes, I don't know. I guess, well, I said, well, 19, you're probably the strongest. You know, at 19, most men, most 19-year-old men, if you talk to your dad, it could be 40, your grandfather, you're thinking, I'm stronger than. That's why the military wants 18, 19, 20-year-olds. If I applied for the military, they'd say, I don't care, you, you're you're out of here. So he, he did seven. And that's pretty good, better than most, because to get into the U.S. Marines, you got to do at least minimum three chin-ups mm. or pull-ups to get into the Marines. So I had seven, that's pretty good, high-fived. I said, uh, Jay, Jay is one of the dentists in the office. Jay's in his 50s. He's got scrubs on, leaves the patient. I said, do some chin-ups. Jay pops out 12. Now, now the kid's like, yes, guy's like. <laughs> and he goes, how many could you do? I said, okay, no one to show off, right? I pop up, I do 15. Right. And he goes, what's going on here? He goes, what the heck is going on? <laughs> I said, you want to be a good dentist, you got to be in shape. I That's said, it. it takes a lot out of you. That's it. And he goes, you're stronger than my dad. My dad is only 45. And I said, well, I'm about 10 years older than your dad. He goes, That's crazy, man. And I bet you he'll tell that story for the rest of his right. life. That's um, it. That's and it's an eye opener to, to make any put one 19, 21 years of age that you could be stronger. 20 years, 30 years older. Like, I bet you there's very few people at 20 that would think they could be stronger 20, 30, 40 years from now. Everyone always thinks I'm 20, I'm cool, I'm strong. It's a downhill slide. Everyone always thinks 
the downhill though, now that I'm 30, now that I'm 40. Right. Who, how can you be healthier or stronger at age 30, age 40, mm. age 50, age 60? Mm. Well, you treat the body with reverence. Mm. You feed it well, you move it well, you sleep deep, you know, you get your eye mask on. This is not Victoria's Secret. This is this is a, <laughs> a nice eye mask. This is not a, a very big bra, right? This is like hey, hey, this is an hey, A cup. No, no, this is a Victoria's Secret travel listen, mask. Listen, hey, listen, hey, <laughs> listen. Listen. We're not so you, we're not judging. We don't judge hey, on this hey, podcast. <laughs> you throw this eye mask on. Right. You no, know, you, you wear you wear the orange glasses. Okay. You know, you brush with the Sonicare two minutes. You, you do all these things. You know, you, you drink dark coffee with the polyphenols and antioxidants inside. You know, all these things will create a body that will become your best friend again. And I think in most dentists and hygienists treated the body better, it would become your best friend again. And you would not be sad when you get birthdays ending in zero yeah. because you're going, wow, I'm breaking the mold. I'm setting a new standard. I will lead, not follow. And that's why I want to take my, my colleagues on this journey with me. And I, I do it humbly and I do it with every cell in my body. Let me just say, I'm going to end it there. I don't know how we could end that any more perfect. You know, uh, thank you so much for literally coming on. I know how busy you are. You're literally, I mean, you're traveling the world just given this kind of wisdom. And we were able to be blessed to have you on here to give this kind of wisdom to our listeners. So thank you so much for doing that. I mean, man, let, let me let me let you basically end it right by asking you, what advice would you give to dental students, non-dental people, hygienists, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, assistants, or just patients in general? They all listen to this podcast. What advice would you give them when they say, listen, life is stressful? And we know that it's become more stressful. It's become very polarized, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. In general, no matter what you do, you're always wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's what yeah. it seems like anyway. So what advice would you give to people? you know, that would allow them to live a healthier, fuller life that you have learned in the time that you've been here? Yeah, um, there's many lessons, but there's few principles. Mm. I think a big part of that is, you know, we talk about being, most people treat their body like an afterthought. You know, I'm hungry, what do I feel like right now? Oh, my veneers didn't fit, what do I feel like having? I wanna to celebrate tonight, I'm gonna to have some draft tonight. Or, oh, birthday cake, I'll have two pieces. I'm always thinking, what, do, what, do, what in my body needs to heal right now? How can I support my body right now? So I'd say, if treat your body with reverence. Treat your joints and your organs with gratitude. And it might sound woo-woo, but you, anyone or anything you treat with gratitude works better. Um, everything you treat with respect works better. You're like, oh, if I did that, how, how come I still got a headache and I worked out? Treat the headache like a result. Maybe you're dehydrated. I don't know. But treat your body with reverence and gratitude. It'll perform better. And it can only perform better now, tonight. We're talking about for a lifetime. Literally, that last third of our lives. And you go, now that I'm 40, you know, 60 is so far away. As you talk to anyone who's 60 or 70, life flies by. Mm. And 60 to 90 could be a beautiful 30 years or three decades with your bills paid off but you need all your joints working. Be cognitively good, lucid, good digestion, strong muscles, good posture, good balance. Um, so treat the body better. It can become your best friend again, not just for tonight, but for a lifetime. Beautiful. Thank you. 
again so much for what you've done for dentistry because I think we need somebody like you in dentistry to basically let us understand that it's not just about like you said the veneers the crowns the you know the results it's also about making sure that you're there to enjoy those mm -hmm. you know and and so thank you so much for taking the time and we definitely appreciate you on on, on tooth be told if anybody hasn't told you today we definitely appreciate you man my pleasure hey from the heart thank you for listening to this episode of tooth be told the opinions on this episode are just that, our opinions. Please consult your dental professional before taking any action with your dental health. If you have any questions about anything you heard on this episode, please contact us at Real Dentist with an S. That's R-E-A-L, dentist with an S, at gmail.com. We would be very happy to return any message that we receive because we love the communication that we have with our listeners.